You sit at a desk. They sit at a desk. You have sales reports. They have book reports. You need supplies. They need supplies. Business is a lot like school. That's why your small business should take advantage of back-to-school deals at Staples. Now, Staples 1-inch 3-ring binders are $1.92. One-subject notebooks are just $0.25, and two-pocket poly folders are just $0.35 each. Make back-to-school your business at Staples. In-store only while supplies last. Offer ends 9-1-18, limit 30. Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad that no one will film it, two men will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads with Sean McBee and Patrick Duffy. Hey everybody, welcome to another fantastic episode of Terribleness, brought to you by Kevin Smith. And us. You know, I mean, we didn't write it, but we're delivering it to you, you know, like assholes. Well, everybody's got them. Might as well be us, right? So this is part three of uh, the Six Million Dollar Man, episode sixty-two. Man, we're getting up there. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Patrick, for all your hard work getting us to sixty-two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the last uh, three episodes? This will be the third episode that I've uh, produced. You know, it's funny. I worked on episode one hundred of The Walking Dead, and. They brought us hats, commemorative, like, Walking Dead 100th episode hats. And I was like, thanks for the hat. I did not help us get here at all. Like, I came in on episode 100. I don't deserve this hat. Well, apparently they agreed. Oh, that's... (laughs) That's uncool. Too soon? Very too soon. (laughs) It's all in good fun. It really is. You know I love you. Previously on Table Reads. So, there were some ninjas. I mean, ninja. There were some ninja. uh, Led by a cybernetic other ninja. Who broke into a cybernetics and bionics lab. And did stuff. And there was a test pilot by the name of Steve Austin. And he test piloted his plane right into the damn ground, exploding himself and the plane, and lost both legs, one arm, and an eye in the deal. So his buddy Oscar, uh, who works for some shady government organization, though he's opposed to this, his boss is making him enlist the now legally classified as deceased Steve Austin into a program that will make him into a cybernetic blah blah blah. Basically it's the plot of Robocop at this point. Essentially uh, same thing. Yes. Um, And he's just been given this order to make Steve agree to be Robocop uh, when we leave off. Fade in. Intensive care ward. Interior. Intensive care ward. Day. Wow. First slug line. I'm already screwing up. You can redo it. 
No, it's fine. I got it. Okay. Interior. Intensive care work. So he redoes it. (laughs) You know, uh, I messed up again. I meant to say it's, but I said interior. (laughs) So I'm... I just... I... I think I might need to get tased. (laughs) That's not what a taser sounds like. You're bad at this. (laughs) I was stepping it up a notch. It's the next day. Steve is now awake. He lays in his bed, slightly propped up, staring at the ceiling. He looks to the machines to the right of him. Again, that apostrophe... It does not need to be there. Apostrophes don't go in plural things, Kevin. Okay? You're at this point you are are a professional writer. You get paid to write for a living. You should know this very simple thing that everyone learns in first grade. Come on. There they sit. A wall that separates Steve from the outside world. They beep, whir, and hiss back at him. Hey Patrick, have you ever been to the hospital? Uh yes. Uh and no, ever... I've never heard any whirring, beeping, or hissing. Uh, I mean, whirring and beeping, sure, but a hissing machine at the hospital? Hissing? Yeah. I mean, I guess if he's got a respirator, it could go... All right, I'll give it to you, Kevin. You got this one. Talked myself out of my argument. (laughs) Steve continues to stare at them. Even though he was staring at the ceiling before, so I don't know why he's continuing... Um, oh no, it did say he looked at them. Never mind. Steve continues to stare at them. He then reaches toward them, but they are not at arm's length. Especially not his right one. Because he doesn't have a right arm. Yeah. Remember. Yeah. Uh, but they are not at arm's length. He reaches instead for the table beside his bed and pulls himself over. Closer to the machines, but still too far away. He reaches again and pulls, this time falling out of the bed and onto the floor. Frustrated, he pulls the tubes out of his arm and slaps at the machines, which now buzz with alarms. Rudy rushes in, followed by two nurses. Sweet Jesus. To the nurses. Help me get him back on his bed. Turn them off, Wells! Shut them down, goddammit! Steve swings at them with his one good arm as Rudy and the nurses grab hold of him and lift him into the bed. Steve struggles the entire way. I don't want this! Get me the sedative. Let me die, dammit! I'm not a man! What were you trying to do? Shut these down? They're not keeping you alive, Steve. You're not on life support anymore. Why'd you let them... Pull me out of that wreck, you sick frickin' bastard! Why did you read that as Morty? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I can always reread it. <laughs> Why'd you let them pull me out of that wreck, you sick frickin' bastard? The nurse hands Rudy the syringe. Steve continues to struggle. Hold him down, damn it! The nurses attempt to hold Steve. For a man who's been out for four weeks and has only a battered arm, he's fairly strong. They finally subdue him while Rudy administers the injection into Steve's arm. Steve starts to lose consciousness and passes out. The nurses release him. Rudy looks down at Steve, sadly. Interior, Rudy's office, day. Oscar sits opposite Rudy. 
Rudy looks as forlorn as he did in Steve's room. He wants to die, which is normal for a patient in his condition, but I'd hoped for better from him. He's strong, though. He may not have a strong will to live right now, but his strength for someone who has been through what he has is impressive. It took myself and two nurses to subdue him during this episode. How strong? Would you say he could live a long life? Actually, I'd say he has better chances of living longer now than he did before. His lifestyle, pre-crash, dictated that sooner or later his luck would run out. Now, forced to stay put, ironically enough, he'll no doubt live far longer than he ever would have. Oscar shakes his head in agreement, marking the irony. He then looks at Rudy. Have you ever done organ transplants? Well, yes. Arts, livers, kidneys. What about prosthetics? Any experience? Rudimentary. They're basically operational by straps and harnesses, though. No real need for surgical procedures. Why do you ask? Oscar looks at him gravely. We have to talk. <laughs> Exterior, Washington Monument, day. Spider-Man clings to the top as a helicopter... <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm still having flashbacks to Spider-Man Homecoming, the greatest Spider-Man movie ever made. I, I haven't seen it. Is it? That was in the trailer, though. Well, I saw the trailer... Um, it's amazing. You should watch it. Okay, well, I'll have to... I'll I mean, it's better than Amazing, because Amazing was pretty bad. Yeah, it, tell me about it. Tourists run to and fro, snapping pictures of the instantly recognizable monument. Classes of children led by teachers march across the grounds. Oscar and Rudy walk and talk there as well. Are you familiar with the term bionics? From science fiction literature, sure. Advanced robotics of some sort. Winking at the audience. <laughs> They're a reality. And I'm not talking about assembly line type machinery that puts together a Ford. Or a Toyota, am I right? <laughs> I'm talking about limbs, legs, arms. I know what limbs are, shithead. <laughs> I'm a doctor. Oscar, I'm a doctor. I'm talking about limbs, legs, arms, and organs, hearts, eyes. Oh, he actually says... I know, I know, it's, it's pathetic. Oscar, I'm a doctor. I'm up on every advanced medical science makes in any field. And I've never heard I'm talking about military science. It's also a military doctor. I mean, come on. Rudy stares at him, confused. Meaning? This information is highly classified. Rudy catches on. He's shocked. You're OSI. Level 12. All this time, I just assumed you were NSA. Sometimes I wish it were that simple. Well, God, man. How far have they come? We could build a human being if we chose. One so real, it'd shock you. With its electricity. We could build your wife, and if she never spoke, 
You'd never know the difference. Sounds like you don't need Steve. I mean, am I right? Yeah, no, you're right. My god, you're serious. But we haven't. <laughs> Not yet. There's no programming a machine with human behavioral patterns. Humans are just too erratic to be faked. But we can repair organic matter. There's a comma there for no reason. <laughs> Endo and exoskeletons, tissue, skin. More real than real. Another comma there. Down to the amount of hairs on a knuckle. You're talking about cyborgs. It works. It all works. And it's so advanced, it would change the way you view medicine forever. And why the hell isn't it employed now? If what you're saying is true, you know, he's gone less Wilford Brimley and more Jim Beaver. <laughs> if what you're saying is true, we could make cripples walk. The blind see... Doctor calls them cripples. Yeah, that, that, I mean, I, I understand back in the 90s, they probably didn't call them handicapable, but they still used handicapped, right? Yeah, also, it was like the height of the PC era, you know, where things like Cripple were not used anymore. And, you know, even, you know, just for a doctor, it's just like, that's probably no doctor since the 60s has called a handicapped person a cripple. <laughs> no. But it makes for good commentary. We could make cripples walk, the blind see, eliminate the need for dialysis. It's highly classified. Rudy stares at Oscar. Wep weapons division. Rudy comprehends and shakes his head. Weaponizing livers and kidneys. How dare you! <laughs> Rudy comprehends and shakes his head. Figures. Something that could do the world a great service. They've already figured out a way to corrupt it. <laughs> it's disappointing, I know. But I've been working hard to change that. Not doing a very good job, are you? Rome wasn't built in a day, Rudy. But the first real step toward improvement can begin with us. How so? Spill all this to the media? That's not even half funny. No, I'm talking about Steve. Rudy freezes. You mean the works. Complete overhaul. By whose say-so, with no question mark. That's classified. I guess the question mark is classified, too. But it's on the up and up. To what end? That's also classified. But does it matter? It does to me. I'm the boy's physician, Oscar. I'm not going to instill him with hope and give him a second shot at life, only to have him blown away over some covert foreign turf war. You're his physician, yes. But he's my friend. <laughs> That's so Forgive cliche. me. Well, and Steve Austin, you have a prime candidate for partial rehabilitation with the technology you're talking about. Partial? You said he was strong. For a man that's been through what he has, sure. We're talking about severe spinal damage. The man sustained. Another weird comma. Even if he'd kept his legs, I doubt they'd have been much use. 
I can guarantee complete recovery. Because apparently he's God. Complete? With four times the strength. Perhaps more. How? What are these things made of? How are they powered? Oscar smiles and puts his arm around Rudy. Oh, Rudy. We have to catch you up on 50 years worth of research by tomorrow morning. Montage! (laughs) Interior, intensive care ward, the next morning. Steve sits up in his bed, staring out the window. Oscar and Rudy excitedly explain the project. And it's all on the up and up, Steve. I've gone over everything myself. All of it's possible. And the project will be fully funded for five years to the tune of... How much? $1.6 billion. There we go. <laughs> so it's just Project $6 million. The $6 million man has uh, suffered from inflation. Yes. Steve doesn't flinch. Ruby is beside him. Rudy is beside himself. Steve, you'll walk again. You'll run even. Faster than you ever could before. Faster than anyone on the planet. You'll be made whole again. It'll be as if the crash never happened. Steve continues to stare out the window. Oscar and Rudy look to one another. Steve? Who told Jamie? Rudy looks from Steve to Oscar. Oscar drops his head. I did. That night. What did you tell her? Everything. You mean, like I died? (laughs) Steve continues staring out the window. His face is turned from the pair. They don't see the tear roll down. (laughs) (laughs) But that doesn't matter now. You can be with her again. As normal as you ever were. About that. Um. She kind of thinks you're dead. She's actually at your funeral right now. Oh. Awkward. Oh. Uh, none of that is in the script. No. I had a mole, Rudy, on my right thigh, right under my butt. I don't know why I'm telling you this but apparently it makes sense later on in the plot. She always said it looked like Africa because of the way it was shaped. Yes, that's why things look like things. Yeah, because they're shaped the same. (laughs) She called me Bawana sometimes, just to be cute. Bawana Beast. Rudy and Oscar exchange glances. Where is this going? I've spent weeks lying here, thinking about how she'd never see that again, because there's no mole. Because there's no leg. And I thought about how I won't hear humor in her voice anymore. Only pity. At first, pity for me. Her broken fiancé. Less than half the man I used to be. And then that pity I used to hear in her voice would change. To pity for herself. Pity for a woman who, because of one in 400 mechanical failure, would be forever shackled to a hunk of meat that shared some memory of a man named Steve Austin. But now, you say that's over. Now you tell me I can be whole again and return to her. Like nothing ever happened. And based on the advancements of technology you've described, well, you can probably even replace them all. Duplicate it. Put Africa back on my ass. And then I can again be the Bawana Beast again. 
He smiles at his friends. They smile back, comforted. Then Steve explodes, knocking everything off his bedside table, toppling some nearby equipment. All with his one good arm. Oh, okay, I literally thought that Steve exploded. (laughs) I thought that this was a bad dream that one of them was having. Like, Steve's like, you can make me whole again. Um, well, we okay, can, so you know, we, we get, can do that. Get ready to be shouty. Um, then Steve explodes, knocking everything off his bedside table, toppling some nearby equipment, all with his one good arm. And then I'm just a freak of another color? Is that what you're offering me? Steve, don't. I'll walk, you say. I'll run. I've even seen former pilots in what passes for prosthetics, Oscar. And you may sit there and paint a rosy portrait for the sad, triple amputee of how natural or realistic it'll feel. And you think because of the condition I'm in, I'll agree to everything, to anything that could possibly give me some goddamn humanity back. Well, I'll let you both in on a little secret. Something that'll take all the therapists and head shrinkers you send in here months to reach a conclusion on. I'm dead man already. I died in that crash, and no promise of normalcy you offer is going to bring me back from the grave. This is my grave, do you hear me? I'm dead! Oscar and Rudy stare in disbelief. Steve breathes heavily, a snarl crossing his face. He turns back to the window. This this music is totally perfect for this scene. <laughs> Why don't you respect the memory of a dead man and get the hell out of here? Oscar and Rudy don't move. Steve. Get out! The pair watch Steve for a beat and solemnly exit, the door closing behind them softly. (laughs) Steve chokes back tears. He quietly pounds the side of the bed in slow, sad bursts. Interior, intensive care ward, (laughs) the next day. A nurse enters Steve's room. Her name tag reads Kathy. Steve stares out the window, so he doesn't see that it's really the Joker. (laughs) I guess I'll do Kathy. I'll do Kathy because she's going to be talking to Steve. Okay. Think, man. Think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good morning, Colonel Austin. Sorry to bug you again, but I have to take your blood pressure. Steve says nothing. Kathy slips a cuff over Steve's arm and flicks a switch on the accompanying unit. The cuff begins inflating. Kathy looks at Steve and smiles. This is going to sound extremely corny, but I feel like I know you. Nary a response from Steve. <laughs> Kevin Smith wrote the damn word nary. <laughs> nary. <laughs> Kathy shrugs. I don't mean that in a I've met you before kind of way. It's just that my brother used to always talk about you. Steve looks at her, still saying nothing. I mean, you know, the... All of you part, not the just this torso with an arm part. He didn't talk about that, because he knew when you had the limbs and such like, when you were a real man. (laughs) Sorry, I'm going to (laughs) rewind. Steve looks at her, still saying nothing. He was a pilot, Air Force, really young. Whenever he came home over the holidays, he'd blab on about how great the service was and what he'd been doing. You know what gung-ho kids are like when they first enlist, I'd imagine. 
Steve smiles a bit. I was one of those gung-ho kids once. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? Checks the machine. Anyway, Brad, my brother, he'd always talk about this Colonel Steve Austin. <laughs> War hero, astronaut, test pilot. Uh, side note, everybody. Apparently, Steve has been to space. Just, you know, drop that right in the middle of some weird nurse's weird monologue. I can dig it. He, he said he wanted to be you. Live a couple of different lives by the time he was 30. Anytime you broke a record, I knew about it. And I don't follow things like that. I follow music. Well, my boyfriend follows music. You know what I mean? I'm really glad I gave her a southern accent. Yeah, I love this. This is great. Steve nods knowingly. When they told me you'd crashed, my heart sank. For you, of course. But more so because I thought about Brad and how he'd have taken it. He'd probably go AWOL and get here somehow to see you. Make sure you were okay. Tell him not to waste his time. Kathy pulls the cuff off Steve and jots down the results. He's dead. Aw, such a tearjerker. <laughs> like, in case you couldn't tell from all the past tense <laughs> I was using when talking about him. Yeah. Steve looks back to her. A crash like yours with an apostrophe that doesn't belong there. <laughs> a crash like yours, only not in some incredibly expensive super jet just a normal f-16 because those are normal landing on the deck of a carrier a cable snapped and he rolled steve is taken aback i'm sorry it was a couple of years ago he lost both of his legs in the crash and was in a coma he never came out of it my family became very fond of saying that it was probably better that he died you know Rather than have to live like that the rest of his life? People tell themselves some stupid things to get over pain, I guess. Maybe it wasn't so stupid. It was to me. It used to make me so angry. I mean, so he wouldn't walk anymore? That's sad, I know. But Brad was funny. Just a really funny guy. And you don't need legs to tell a joke last I heard. You know... There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about how great it would have been to hear him joke around again, or blah blah about the Air Force, or even tell me what record Steve Austin broke today. <laughs> I miss him. But it's been great having you around. You just, you remind me what a great guy Brad was. I'm glad I got to meet you, finally. I mean, I wish it was under more pleasant circumstances, but still, I'm glad. She heads for the door and stops as she opens it, taking a moment to look back at him. I'm really glad you made it, Colonel Austin. Steve looks at her. She smiles and exits, leaving Steve alone with his thoughts. You know, that scene really read like, in a little bit, someone's going to come in and tell Steve, we haven't had a nurse named Kathy here in 30 years. <laughs> Table Reads will return after this brief word from our sponsors. Ever since the hobbits threw the ring to that stupid volcano, I've needed a new one. I go to rogueintel.com slash Amazon. 
and I order my new processes. Go, go. Here at the Prime Podcast, we're dedicated about broadcasting professionalism. Like, really dedicated. Real quick, I know TJ's had to pee for quite a while. Do you need to take a break? Dude, I'm good. Are you sure? <laughs> so you pissed in your mason jar, is that what you're saying? Just keep going with the show. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry about where the bathroom breaks are. Oh, I love your dedication. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes for the sake of the show, man. Listen more at theprimepod.com. This is Uberball. If you want to help support the podcast on this network, go to rogueintel.com. Thank you. Tablereadspodcast.com. Lights, camera, action. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Now, back to Table Read. Network. Wow. Some good stuff right there. And by good, I mean horrible. I like how his longest friend, his closest friend, is like, Steve, we can make you a whole person again. And Steve's like, you need to get the hell out of here. But some random nurse comes in and is like, you know, it was nice to meet you. My brother's dead and blah, blah, blah. And you know he's just going to be like, well, I'm going to call up Oscar and get going. Let's do this, pal. Because a nurse... Fade in. (laughs) I thought that was the end of the sentence. (laughs) Should I just wait your cues? Just just hit fade in again. (laughs) I actually was going to end on because a nurse, but it sounded like you cut me off. No. Even though you didn't, really. Yeah. I, I, I just kind of laughed because of the expression you gave me. I Am I too much in your head and you're just not used to it? Maybe. Yeah. I, I, hey. Uh, hey, I guess we work good together. What can I say? Fade in. Interior. Intensive care ward. Hallway. Day. A German shepherd pitter-patters down the hall of the intensive care ward like they do. Uh, past patients, hospital rooms, and the nurse's station. His tongue dangles dopily out of his mouth. The head nurse looks up from her paperwork and notices the dog. She returns to her work, then does a double take. She leaps from her seat. Oscar walks the dog down the hallway towards Steve's room. The head nurse jumps in front of him. Where in the hell do you think you're going with this dog? This is a hospital, not a vet. You're kidding. The head nurse doesn't find Oscar the least bit amusing. Thankfully, Rudy enters the fray, intervening. This dog is here on my authority, nurse. I don't care if he's here on St. Francis's authority. You get that thing out of here now. This animal's an important part of an extremely depressed patient's therapy. Now, unless you can think of some other way to cheer this patient up, (laughs) How about giving us a break here, huh? (laughs) The nurse stares down Rudy, then Oscar, then the dog. 
She sighs loudly. If he shits, you're picking it up. (laughs) I wouldn't dream of it, ma'am. I myself will pick it up. And who the hell are you? I'm the man with the German Shepherd. (laughs) Interior, intensive care ward, Steve's room. I really hope Kevin thought that line was awesome. (laughs) Interior, intensive care ward, Steve's room, day. The door opens and the German Shepherd rushes in. He approaches Steve and licks his hand. Steve is at first taken aback, but quickly relents, petting the dog. Hey, boy, who let you in here? Oscar and Rudy enter. He's with me. Steve's attention shifts to the pair. His expression falls a bit. Oscar pets the dog. Like him? His name's Max. Say hi, Max. Man's second best friend. His first he carries around with him, I believe. God. That line so did not need to be there. What am I, five years old? You think you're going to give me a puppy and it'll make everything okay? Yup. (laughs) (laughs) He's a little big to be calling a puppy, Steve. Steve, Max is a very extraordinary animal. He's specially trained in narcotic detection and rescues. And now he's what? My new pal? And what's so extraordinary about a narc dog? What's he going to do for me? Roll over? Beg? He's going to bring you drugs, idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He'll fetch your slippers. Steve shoots Oscar an angry look. Oh, smile, damn it. That was funny. The drugs line was, yes. Take your dog. That wasn't in the script, though. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Thus defeating the purpose of having a funny line. Take your dog and get out of here. Max was used in Border Patrol in San Diego. You know the drill. Sniff out coke and heroin from inside car seats and trunks. Then one day, a van load of drug runners gets popped at the border, thanks to Max here. So one night, weeks later when they make bail... One of them is so pissed at Max here that he sneaks back to the dog pens at the station and takes him to pieces with a crowbar. Steve looks at Max. Max pants back at him. Shattered his hind legs, broke his front legs, fractured his skull, just mutilated him. One of the cops finally heard something and got to the guy before he could kill Max. The cops beat the shit out of him, so I hear. Oscar pets Max's coat. Steve stares at the dog, looking him over. What else is new? So, how come he... Steve looks at Oscar and Rudy, then back to Max. He catches on. You're kidding. Oscar brings Max over to Steve's bedside. He takes Steve's hand and places it on one of the dog's hind legs. You can't tell the difference, can you? It feels organic. This is the lowest of low. This dog is not artificial. Not artificial, Steve. Rudy opens a panel on Max's leg, revealing circuitry and gears, minuscule and finely interwoven. Damn. Cybernetic. He closes the panel. Bionic. Max (sighs) scampers to the corner of the room and begins pissing. And very, very normal. There's a nurse that's going to be 
really mad at me. <laughs> Should be a line there that isn't. No. I keep making the script better. It's not what this podcast is about. Steve stares at the dog. He looks back to his old friends, contemplating. How long will it take? The procedure will last 42 hours. Good lord. Recovery... <laughs> Recovery time is hard to say because the extensive amount of replacement we'll be doing has never been done before. Steve thinks for a beat. Where? Here? Our facility in Colorado. State of the art. Fantastic view of the Rockies. Steve looks out the window. He turns back to them. The moment it doesn't feel right. I'm out. You understand? If I start to feel like a guinea pig... Then we'll take you off your tread wheel. Steve smiles at Oscar, for the first time in a while. Exterior, Colorado Rockies. Day. Not wasting any more time, let's just do this. An army helicopter whips through the mountains, racing toward one particular peak. In the side of the peak, the rock begins to tremble and move. Huge steel doors are revealed opening, giving us a view of a large man-made cavern inside. Once the doors are sufficiently spread, the helicopter slips inside. Interior, mountain. The helicopter touches down, blades still whirring. A meta team approaches the side of the copter and slides its door open. Atop a stretcher and out cold, Steve is wheeled off by the meta team. Rudy disembarks. Oscar meets him, followed by Killian, 50s tall, physician-like. What kind of description is that? Oscar leads Rudy from the copter, debriefing him. Rudy, this is Dr. Richard Killian. He's our top man in the field. He'll be assisting with the procedure. Track with them through the mountain, from the landing bay, through heavily, through heavy pneumatic doors, into a sterling medical facility. Dr. Wells, your reputation precedes you. Welcome to Slab Rock. It's damned impressive facility, Dr. Killian. Not exactly the easiest to find. Government agencies have had this thing about secrecy, as I'm sure you're aware. We have the people at NORAD to thank for this place. When they relocated, they left a perfectly good mountain behind. Didn't take all that much to turn it into what we humbly consider the finest medical establishment in the world. In the world. When they work on the president... Anything from routine physicals to hemorrhoids, they do it up here, Rudy. Regardless of where the media tells you he goes. Cloak and dagger. Even for piles? Well, he is the president. Dr. Killian, this is your field of specialty. Are you sure you wouldn't rather take the helm for this procedure? You're far more qualified. I know the hardware, Dr. Wells. That's where it all begins and ends. You know the man. Rudy nods. I'll be at your disposal for the entire procedure if you have any questions. My real job kicks in post-op. Rehabilitation. It'll be up to me to make sure your boy learns how to utilize all his new technology that we're going to load into him. We'll all see to that. Are we ready to go then? They're prepping him as we speak. Procedure begins as soon as you're ready. At the risk of sounding melodramatic, gentlemen, 
Let's go give a man his life back. Hoorah! <laughs> Interior, operating theater, day. The operation montage begins. <laughs> a box marked top secret and biohazard is opened, revealing a human arm. Well, it would be human, were it not for the fact that it's not human. Well, it would be human if not for the metal base at the shoulder and the myriad wires that trail out. Steve lays on the table. Rudy and Killian, surrounded by their team, go over the replacement limbs. Interior, observation theater, day. The OSI team watch through the window from their seats. Oscar stands at, the, at a podium. He'll be there and our narrator for the procedure. Whatever Oscar described, we're cross-cutting to. Gentlemen, Mrs. Sage... What you're about to witness is nothing short of a miracle of modern science. Cut to a close-up of Steve's face. Hey, y'all, it's my face. Colonel Steve Austin, a man barely alive. Cut to Rudy and Killian proceeding to cut into Steve. Gentlemen, we're going to rebuild him. Cut to... The high-tech looking machines that surround the operating table, including the opening cases that contain Steve's new body. The limbs are extracted and placed into bubbling fluid baths. We have the technology. Cut he, to, he did it. I chose a really, really good voice for Oscar at the start of the script. Yes. Not realizing that this was going to be his role. The surgical team begins the intricate process of prepping Steve. We're going to recreate the world's... No, it does say recreate. Wow. We're... Wait a minute. You can't recreate the first. You create yeah. the first. Recreate everything after. We're going to recreate the world's first fully functional bionic man. Cut to Oscar at his podium. Steve Austin will be that man. Cut to their separate shots of the team at work. It says there. Maybe yeah, it means it three. The three separate shots of the team at work. The life support systems functioning. The monitors monitoring. So this really is a montage scene. Yeah. Uh, the monitors monitoring. That just makes me think of of Marty going flux capacitor, fluxing, fluxing. <laughs> we'll make him better than he was before. Better, stronger, faster. Cut to. A steel strap being locked across Steve's chest. The team steps back. A switch is flicked, and the surgical table rotates on a gyro so that Steve now faces the floor. Cut to a close-up of his face. The unconscious human guinea pig. The first step towards this is to reinforce Colonel Austin's skeletal structure, particularly the spine. While the alloys that make up the bionic limbs are light, and built to withstand torque of up to a ton. It's not how torque works. Attaching these to the existing frame would result in instantaneous combustion of the skeletal structure the moment an attempt to lift any object outside the realm of human capacity was made. It's not what combustion is. <laughs> Cut to, a steel tube is inserted into Steve's spine. Dr. Killian's team has developed a polymer that allows steel reinforcement to be liquefied and injected into... Colonel Austin's bones. Like Wolverine, is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. it, is a, 
It effectively replaces marrow with metal. So what's making all his blood? If his marrow is now metal, what is making his blood? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I guess they didn't look too far into. To be fair, the internet wasn't such a thing back then. But, you know, no, Kevin could have used the internet because he was rich. He had the internet. Was he really rich in 95, 96 when this was written? He had that Mallrats money. Yeah. yeah. Mallrats didn't make a lot of money, but Kevin was paid plenty of money to make Mallrats. Hmm. He was at least a millionaire at this point. Well, damn. It effectively replaces marrow with metal, allowing the alloy to reinforce the skeleton to withstand the weight and pressure Colonel Austin will now be capable of handling. Cut to a monitor that... What's this? Put put, put other music on. <laughs> there you go. Cut to a monitor that details the flow of the liquid steel, not unlike the one that detailed the flow of oxygen into Steve's body in the pre-crash sequence. It's a callback! Once the alloy settles into place, it immediately hardens. Blood cells... Oh, hey, look! Blood cells will now be manufactured outside of the bone there by biocomponents that Dr. Killian's team have updated since the procedure on the prototype. Which I'm fade guessing is Clatch. Yeah. Fade out of the visual and voiceover, fade into the steel tube being extracted. The table flips back, facing Steve up. A new voiceover is already in progress. A system backup that will regulate usage and wattage of the generators the feature that caused contamination in the prototype to ensure this never happens again the containment unit is placed beneath the brainstem cut to the back of Steve's neck opened exposing the top of his spinal cord a computer component is inserted and sewn in because this is what you really want from a bionic man movie is uh you know a textbook on how he works. We we want the movie to be the user man, manual. That's just... Why are we going into so much detail on this? I don't know about you, but I like the detail. You know what? Look at RoboCop. <laughs> that movie's fantastic. Yes, it is. That dude gets shot all to hell, and then he wakes up as a robot. We skip all of this. He just wakes up as a robot, and we're like, okay, he's a robot now. <clears throat> Yeah, but we actually got to like, be a part of the montage, and that's something that you didn't get with RoboCop. Yeah, but it's boring me is the point I'm making. I'm getting bored. Okay, well, that's because you're having to talk all the lines, so. This is all stuff that the writer should know, but doesn't need to put in the script. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I love this okay. next part. The back of Steve's next, open, blah, blah, blah inserted and sewn in the computer contains eight gigs of ram it's <laughs> so much in 96 it was no in 96 that was a shit ton in 96 he, kevin was like this will never happen this is complete science fiction now i have that in my phone <laughs> the computer contains eight gigs of ram allowing optimum information processing and storage from an access hookup behind colonel austin's right ear Data may be entered and downloaded using an 288 processor. Uh, a 2088. 
No, 28-8. Yeah, they, they screwed it up. It's supposed to be 2088. But, uh, it, yeah. No, no, no. I think he means 28.8. I think he's mixing up baud and megahertz. Well, a 2088 uh, was the predecessor to the 8088, which was the XT computer, one of the first publicly available computers for home use. Yeah, but he's talking like high tech. Why would he be talking about 1970s tech? Because he's not a geek like me. Moving forward. But 28.8 was, at the time, you know, a what dial modem line, would yeah. do. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I like my 56K. Fade out and into, the team removes Steve's good arm. Yeah, fuck it. Who needs that one arm? Bring out the gimp. Due to weight displacement ratios, the existing arm will be removed to compensate for the replacement arm. What? One of the arms is extracted from its preparatory fluid bath. Each arm is fitted with its own power source. Through the process of micro-miniaturization... <laughs> through the completely non-redundantly named process of micro-miniaturization... Dr. Killian's team has been able to update and streamline multiple nuclear generators that act as power cells for the limbs, allowing them to manipulate weights of up to one ton. Simulated nerve endings receive and process stimulus by sending electrical impulses first into the generators, then to the brain. Cut 2. The team attaches the arm. While neurological pulses from Colonel Austin's brain will control the... Okay, look, here's the thing. It's going into so much detail on all this. And meanwhile, we're getting further and further into the script. And remember, the story doesn't really get going until this dude is bionic. Because that's the whole point. Yeah, so we're, we're 100 pages away, give or take, until the end of the script. Which, by the way, makes this an incredibly long script. This yes. movie is almost three hours long. Because uh, script, screenplays are written to be one page equals one minute of screen time. Oh, the more you know. So, uh, so 173 pages? That is a long, long movie. This is going to be a long, long... This is the longest screenplay we've read. Ooh, on wait, show. can you bring me in now? I didn't I didn't <laughs> check the page count. <laughs> and in fact, I told you that we could do a different script, and you're like, no, you already said you were gonna do this one next. Man, and I'm I mean, come on, it's Kevin Smith. I'm uh, this is early Kevin Smith back when he was like comedy gold. And not writing a comedy. No. It, good, yeah. good call, you. Well, no, I mean, comedy gold writer not doing a comedy is, is going to be uh, hilarious, I'd say. And it is hilariously bad. While the neurological pulses from Colonel Austin's brain will control the limbs as if they were his own, the limbs draw their strength from the generators. This will alleviate Colonel Austin of the normal fatigue one would feel after extraneous activity. As per Mrs. Sage's directive, a failsafe device has been implanted fade out and into the, bio the bionic legs being attached. Each leg can withstand the impact of up to one ton, allowing for landings that would shatter normal legs. 
Also equipped with the micro-miniaturized nuclear generators, the legs will function at 10 times the speed of the average athlete, if so required. Fade out and into the eyes being inserted into Steve's head. Both of them. They took out his good good eye, eye. too. Why? As with the arm, removal of the existing healthy eye is essential for optimum performance. So as not to confuse the sensory portions of the brain with conflicting depth perceptions. When utilized, the bionic eyes will capture and crystallize images up to one mile in distance. Nice. Maximum range is approximately three miles, with built-in tracking and targeting systems that allows for pinpoint accuracy. When special systems are not required, the eyes function normally. 2020 for distances up to fade out and into Steve's face. Needles are injected into Steve's cheekbones. Now we will make him handsomer. <laughs> First, what? the maxiofacial muscular layer in Colonel Austin's face will now act as malleable free agent. Using encoded DNA structures of over 300 facial types, as well as time-releasing skin toners that are neurologically activated, the Visage Modification Enhancer, or VME, will allow Colonel Austin to change the shape and color of his face at will. Identity can be altered to resemble a wide variety of sizes and ethnicities. Fade out and into the skin that is attached over and around the shoulder areas where Steve's body and bionic limbs are joined. The entire epidermal layer that replaces the existing material is formed of a syncomesh bioalloy, not all that different from the medieval chainmetal. Developed by integrating steel polymers with skin cultures harvested from prepuce removals. What? Prepuce? I, I have no idea. Hold on just a second. I'm going to look that word up. Technical term for foreskin. (laughs) Developed by integrating steel polymers with skin cultures harvested from foreskins. The new epidermis can withstand pressure of 400 pounds without puncture. Flame retardant up to 200 degrees and easily replaceable, the skin will function primarily as armor for your dick. Yeah, I I had no idea that foreskins were that malleable and uh, stretchy. The team steps back. Oh, fade two. The team steps back. The table, bars still holding Steve in place, slowly shifts to an upright position, giving us our first complete view of the newly repaired, complete Steve Austin, Bionic Man. Fade out. Fade out. Fade out. So three episodes in, we get to start the movie. <laughs> I... I- I don't even know where to go from here, man. Like, this has been a cliche on top of another cliche. There has been so little humor in this, which, even for serious movies, I really do want to see at least a good joke here and there. And there Like a Marvel been... movie. Exactly. Um, You know, this whole last, like, I don't know, half of this episode was just a big writer's no-no. Like I said... That's all stuff that Kevin should know, 
but don't put in the script. Nobody wants a 15-minute sequence of a breakdown of why this guy works. No, and nobody cares about that. I'll be honest with you. As soon as I had said something about, oh, I like all the details, uh, even me, I was I was yawning, like literally yawning. Yeah. Like, we can mock bad, but at that point, you just have to slog through it. And, like, that just legitimately made this podcast episode uh, boring. Yeah. Without much that we could do about it. So, hopefully, now that this guy's all bionic, uh, he can stop explaining to us why and how he's bionic and just beat some guys up starting next week. And speaking of next week, be sure to subscribe to the show to get the latest updates on all of the episodes that are being released. And you can download the episode, uh, not the episode, but the uh, script to read along or read in your own spare time or burn on a fire somewhere at tablereadspodcast.com. Go check out all our other podcasts at rogueintel.com and... uh, Tell Patrick that you like him on the show. He's really, really nervous about it. I am really and needy. Yeah, he he needs constant, just constant <laughs> uh, reinforcement and support. Dude, I'm really not that bad. Am I? I, I made one thing about, hey, give us some comments uh, via email, Twitter, and Facebook, uh, which you can do at the uh, uh, aforementioned... Look- what? Look, man, I'm I'm just really trying to establish some sort of character rapport for you, and I feel like the the emotionally needy guy just it works, and it's pseudy. It's it's pseudo accurate, pseudo accurate, if it's you will. Pseudo accurate, yes. Trademark. You you can have it. Thanks. Well, no, I was actually just giving us a poor man's trademark so you could have it, but hey, I'll take it. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Uh, tune in next week. Don't forget to subscribe. We love you. The voice of Table Reads is Art Carlson. Hey, that's kind of meta. This has been a Rogue Intel production. Cut to black. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed, but that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses, and you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk, but one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA. Get to Old Navy, two days only, tomorrow and Sunday. Get a full 50% off all Old Navy active for the family. Shorts, tees, leggings, all Old Navy active is 50% off at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 825 to 826, excludes in-store clearance.